Oh my fucking god. Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, uh, Shotaro, and joining me tonight, we have the Tsara of Source Material, John. It's too early for this. Indeed it is, even though it's noon my time, it's still too early. Um, but yeah, t- today we will be talking about the uh, wonderful world of Overlord and all the boning it includes. Um this will be a spoiler cast, and we will mainly be talking about uh, the light novel, hopefully, um, as of 13 volumes, which are currently out. So if you have not read up to there, or if you don't care, um, just letting you know that that's going to be happening. So the uh, let's start with the wonderful cast of Overlord. So with the main Daddy. character... Bone yes. Daddy. <laughs> the Big Daddy himself, who has many names, but I guess we'll call him Ainz because that's how he is fondly referred to by his many, many followers. Um, yeah, I think that, like, I mean, even though he's the main character, I don't see much personality in him, <laughs> honestly. He's kind of, well, I don't know if that, you know, uh, just... Uh, FYI, I have not read a lot of light novels, uh, whereas John has, but um, I don't know if he's supposed, is he supposed to be a self-insert, or I'm not entirely sure, because, like, I can see him having his own personality, but at the same time, I kind of don't see the personality at all, or maybe because he's not a person, he's actually just a bone. He's an undead. Get it right. Gosh, don't you even read Overlord or watch no, the anime? No, I don't. I try and forget um, it. In my experience of reading a, a bunch of, especially isekai uh, novels in general, Ainz actually has a bit more personality than any other one. Uh, I wouldn't say he's a self-insert. Mainly because, in the novels at least, he is a lot of inner monologuing, which just always goes back to his character setting like oh i have to do this for my friends oh i need to protect the npcs of nazarick oh man i'm a fucking idiot i hope these guys don't realize that and then betray me (laughs) you know um but then again in the novel we don't see a lot of him of eins in general as well compared to every other isekai because it's the the light novel is really really just about world building um learning about different factions and different people and then bone daddy coming in at the end and just like steamrolling everything yeah you mentioned the inner monologuing and i think that's like the best part of overlord at least for me because it just he just goes so far up his own ass (laughs) the author in like describing every single detail of every single eventuality and every single game mechanic and i'm like you know this is actually kind of interesting to see all your little uh, ponderings on every single thing. It's like, you know, this is this is pretty pretty cool. And it, um like yeah, the reason for ahead. that is cuz you know, back before he became Ainz when he was still Momonga and then he was still the human what Suzaku Satoru or something? 
Satoshi. Girl. Was, I don't remember his real <laughs> name, right? It's it's like in there five times, okay? Fuck. <laughs> who, who needs to remember the Japanese name? Anyway, but when he was still a player in the real world, um, I remember Maruyama released a special, like, it was with the Blu-ray set, I believe. The first season's Blu-ray set. Uh, a special, like, light novel chapter where it describes what he does when he gets off of work and goes home. And it's super, like, depressing because basically uh, Suzaku or whatever, Momonga, uh, in real life, he doesn't do it. Like, he has nothing in his house except the giant supercomputer that he links up to to dive into. He has, like, no, no TV, no no clocks on the wall. He doesn't have any family. He's described before. All his family's dead. He has no girlfriend. And everything he does, he just works like a slave to come home so then he can just play um, Yggdrasil. And that's literally all it is. And in that chapter, it just describes how he feels nothing because he's just like, life is boring. It's kind of pointless. He has nothing to share it with. But whenever he comes online and plays the game, he's like revived. So that's why he's a lot more animated when it comes to talking about the game. And I'm not entirely sure if it's canon, but I do remember that. I mean, I'd say it's canon just because Mariyama did write this and it came out with the Blu-ray. So I'm not sure if you have actually read this show. Is this the one where it was like the origin story? Not the origin story. It was like, yeah, it was the origin story yes. of the guild. Yeah. I think I think I have read this then. I read all the extras that you linked me in your illegal link. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I didn't have the proper means to get to them, but now that I do, Uh, I own it all, all right? Okay, Uh uh-huh, I don't. (laughs) I'm still illegal. Um, yeah, I mean, what part of that is a bad life? No. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, wait, so what was the point of bringing that up? No, just to talk about how his the reason he he inner monologues a lot and knows so much about the mechanics is just part of how he is, oh. as how Momonga is as a person, which is why it bleeds over I when see. he's in Ains. I mean, I guess so, but like he he's not like stupid. He doesn't like gush over it stupidly. He like actually thinks about it properly, and he has like interesting things to think about that kind of matter maybe. So, but yeah, that's cool. Um, and like also a big, a a big part of Overlord is with the, with the inner monologuing. You know, he's trying to like. You know, his motives are a bit strange. He's trying to protect Nazarek as well as like spread the word of his existence to the world but both of those like motivations are pretty unnecessary honestly (laughs) because like if he was a little more rational he would be able to tell that he does not need protecting and there is no one else there (laughs) see and and that's kind of the like problem so when he first comes to the new world right um, he he thinks everything is like he's testing a, a bunch of things. He's like, all right, so how did these systems work? Is this still Yggdrasil? Is this a new world? And he doesn't know. And then when the first big event happens, when Shaltir becomes brainwashed with a world item, he that's what shook him to his very core. He couldn't 
like in the anime like you know he he kicks the ground like a billion times for like 30 seconds and he loses his temper and he can't get calmed down by that emotion suppressor because he didn't think that there would be other world items which becomes a huge point for his like how he perceives the world the fact that there are still world items around means they can still fuck with him because you know momonga or ions himself when he was still momonga he's not a good pvp player right he's never beat touch me who's like rank number two or three world rank and he's the only way he can really win is through his wits because he's a mage and he has like what the average player learns 200 or 300 spells ions knows like 700 right some insane amount of number it, it shows like he's he's fucking addicted to the game first of all and He's just extremely scared what will happen if he does lose. And it doesn't help the fact that the, the NPCs of Nazarick, you know, hold him in such high regard, like Sasuke Einsama. Because he, everything he does apparently has no mistake. And he, he feels that pressure in, in the anime and in the light novel. He always questions that. Like, he's, he tries to um, dispel this, like, mysticism about him, about, like, I'm not that smart. I can fuck up too, guys. But all the NPCs are like, Ha! You're so humble, Ainz! Sasuke Ainzama! And he's just like, fuck, what do I do now? And everything that he tries just backfires. And it's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> he's so meticulous, and yet it always just gets, like, thrown out the window because of something Something lucky happens. So why doesn't he, like, just come clean to his uh, underlings that he's an idiot? So he's tried to come clean before, like, a little bit but oh my god <laughs> it's like it's like those freaking um uh, romances where the girl is like <laughs> i love you and then the guy's like what i didn't no. hear you <laughs> no 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 he's not a dq he's not a dqn he, it's more like hey guys i'm human too i error all the time oh god you're so humble irons no but seriously if you ever think I said something stupid, please tell me. Oh, we would never say such a thing, Ainz. And, and that's how it rolls. And he's just like, fuck, what do I do? These people don't listen. They think I'm some sort of god. Because, you know, I, I get it. He, he's, he's the number one supreme being. Because these NPCs, unlike the um, other people of... What's that new world called? Whatever the new world's called. Um, they were created and they retain their memories from... When they were in a guild. And the fact that they see the supreme beings as. Oh they could literally just make us out of thin air. It's like. you know, it, it, To them it's an existence of God. That's why they would never go against his word. Except like. I, that one time with Sabas. Mm-hmm. I mean. I, you say that like. He's tried to come clean. And that like they. They don't listen to him, but, like, he's constantly... He still is constantly worrying about putting on an air of, like, being smart and knowing things. So just why doesn't he just drop the air? He's in too deep. <laughs> like, he wants to be someone of respect to Nazareth, right? That's why he has those books, like, How to Lead and stuff. And he practices in front of the mirror how to be regal and, like hand commands to like so noisy and then waves his hand and everyone stops talking that's actually kind of funny how <laughs> i like how like you see him in front of the npcs doing something uh kingly and then you flash back to him practicing that like a hundred <laughs> times 
because you know again momonga suzaku satoru what i can't, i i, I want to look up his name now because i don't remember but the the human guy momonga human he doesn't know how to do any of this right and even in his company he he views everything like uh, a japanese company would where it's like oh i have to be the ceo and because i'm the ceo i have to have this like type of demeanor and and this type of um bearing around me because if i don't if i show weakness then they won't follow me anymore and he really loves the npcs of nazareth right he calls them his friends children because that's what they are to him to a guy who treats the guild like his own family he's really afraid of like losing their respect and since they're so smart he doesn't want them to figure it out because he's he's very afraid right of the guild just being like oh you're not as smart as we thought you were eins fuck this i'm gonna fight back even though like he he knows it's really weird because you're right he he knows that the guild would never betray him the npcs of nazareth would never betray him but what if they did you know he's yeah, it's it, kind of contradictory but <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know the... with um because we've seen instances of like world items can obviously work right we have the ca- downfall of castle i believe was called when lady carrie uses to uh, brainwash Shaltir. But then we also have an incident where, like, Sebas, where he decides, you know what, I'm going to save Suare, and I'm not going to tell Ainz. I'm not going to tell anyone about this. And and then, you know, Demiurge was like, all right, we've been betrayed by Sebas. He doesn't want to listen to Ainz. And then Ainz is like, there's no way Sebas would betray me. He was created by Touch Me, the most loyal person I know. And it turns out, it's like, well, no, Sebas didn't technically betray Ainz. He just wanted to do something on his own he was showing free thinking something that Ainz actually wants from his guardians right not to always listen to his orders but to move in regard to protecting Nazrik at all costs and it was more of just like um you get to see the npc's personalities yeah so speaking of the npcs of Nazrik, um i honestly i think sebas is the most standout NPC in that he has like he has he has de- quote unquote defied Ainz and like established his own sort of autonomy the most out of the rest of the NPCs. Um, don't get me wrong, I I love all the NPCs. They're all really quirky and funny and uh, intense in their own ways, uh, and they're really fun to read and watch, but. Like, when you boil them down, all the NPCs are really just the same person. They're all just, like, <laughs> all I care about is Ainz and pleasing Ainz. And, I mean, there's only so far you can go with a character like that. I wish, you know, because, like, like you said initially, Overlord is a lot about um, the world. And the plot kind of um, follows... It doesn't really follow the main cast of Nazarek that much. It, like... Uh, skips around between the um, this new world and all the different kingdoms and governments and stuff like that. But they never really they never really spend a lot of time uh, developing the actual Nazarek characters. And I wish that Maruyama would do that more so that we like so that like we get more Sebas moments for the rest of the characters where you know. They have, uh, they are still loyal to Ainsama, but they have like some more motivations in addition to that, you know. 
That would be nice. Because all the characters are really fun. I just wish they had a little more depth to them. Yeah, and <laughs> the only reason Sebas stands out is because, you know, every, every, um, the 41 maids were created by every character. So everyone made their own NPCs, right? And, um, Sebas was made by Touch Me. And Touch Me's, like, remember when he's first introduced, he's, he saves Ainz and he's like, justice is, is here. And he's like over the top. And obviously when he made Sebas, he was like, you're going to have like a thousand percent justice right in this like nazrick full of uh negative five thousand want to kill all humans monsters sebas the dragon man is gonna be a hundred percent hero and i feel like that's why he helps people and it seems a lot more interesting because everyone else is just like you know negative 500 or negative a thousand uh justice if you look at the character cards at least and that's why they kind of like they don't really care about anything but irons but sebas he would rather like if they had to rule in fear. Sebas would have reservations, and he, he would feel unpleasant with it going about. But he would never betray Ainz. So you're right in that aspect. Like They all, at their core, would be like, we would never betray the one supreme being who is lit, who has stayed here. Just because, you know, again, going from a, a, an environment of where you have, you've seen 42 people who create more of you, and then all of them leave except the one, then it, it really feels like their last god. So they don't want him to leave. So, like, in the recent novel, um, even though I read it pretty recently, I kind of forgot exactly what happened. How dare you but, uh, forget about the Pope? <laughs> Pope Nia. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait. So, Ainz goes uh, missing, quote-unquote missing, right? Yeah, because he, um, he has a battle with the uh, Seven Sisters. Yeah. Wait. So... In the NPC's eyes, he's not missing, though, right? No. Okay. So, but, like, uh, when they were, like, hinting during the novel that he was going to go missing, it was, like, because they've hinted at him going missing before. Because he's, like, if I ever am not here, you have to keep going on. You have to, like, do this and this. And he made, like, plans for if he wasn't here, like, what would the protocol be? And then, like, oh, my God, I'm going to go missing. I'm going to go missing. Then he goes missing, but the NPCs still know he's there. But I'm, I'm like, what? So the reason he, he quote-unquote, dies, right, uh, is because he has the Battle of the Seven Sisters. It's uh, the Pleiades, whatever, with, um, I forgot the new girl. The youngest sister joins on as commander, and she's actually super smart and tactical. And the deal was uh, they didn't want the Sorcerer King, Ainz, to be out in public so much. Alberto and Demiurge were against this. They're like, yeah, um, it's great that you want to go to the Holy Kingdom, but we can literally just steamroll all of it and just take the refugees. But, you know, Ainz is like, no, I don't want to do that. And he openly defies him. He's like, no, I have my own plan, right? And then Demiurge and Albedo are like, oh, he must be thinking of something like super deep. But then Albedo was like, you know what? I need you to come back because this plan is fucking crazy. We don't need you out there. All right. Demiurge has this all handled. Don't worry about it, Ions. And he's like, no, nah, I'm still going to do my thing. So then that's why they send uh, or Albedo sends the seven sisters to go fight uh, Ions. And it's like, yeah, if you lose, if you lose this, you're coming back for a year and you can't leave <laughs> Nazareth for a year. And he was like, all right, game on then. And then it kind of cuts away, and then he's missing for, like, you know, a couple months. Then he comes back with reinforcements. So something happened during that time. Um, 
I'm not sure if he won against the Seven Sisters. And then they just sent out uh, Pandora's actor to look like Ainz to go save Nea and uh, the rest of the Holy Kingdom during the last attack. I really don't know. And and, and that irks me because I'm like, fuck, Mariyama, I want to see what happened. Like, first of all, you skip the Seven Sisters battle scene, right? Because in our mind, there's no way that Ainz would lose to the Seven Sisters because their overall level is not higher or rather, they're they're not level 100. Like I like Entima's like level what 50 or something. She's low level. Yuri Alpha's like only level 80, I believe. So none of them are like can compare to a level 100. Like Sebas, for example, is level 100, and that's why he's one of the top five people to fight. There's only like I think he said there's only seven or eight people in Nazareth that can rival Sebas in strength. Mm-hmm. So that's just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I brought it up because, like, they've been hinting at him missing, and I think it would be really interesting to see how Nazarek would work without him. What would they do? Um, would it just be, like, a free-for-all? Definitely not. So, the NPCs of Nazarek were instructed already. Like, if I am never not here, or if something happens to me, like, when he went to go kill Chateau, right? And then... um he was like, if something happens to me, I want you guys to all run back to Nazareth, pull everyone out and defend and like just stay hidden and gather information. I feel like that's their first objective. If there is ever a force strong enough to fight their supreme being, of course everyone would be pissed and they'd go on a killing frenzy and just like try to destroy the world. But I'm pretty sure they'd heed his warning. Like, all right, well, if I did go missing for some reason, everyone returns to Nazareth, everyone's on high alert, and they're just going to bide their time and i because it's the smartest thing to do even in a real world setting if you don't have information then they could take you out and he really tells us he, he really uh like hammers this into the npcs we need information we can't move without information you're gonna get blindsided and you're gonna get super fucked and um when he fights shaltir for the first time in the uh volume three Demiurge and Albedo didn't think he'd win. And Kokutis even was like, yeah, no, Ainz is like going to lose because Shaltir is super strong, especially since she has her world item gear and he's not wearing any world item gears. It's like, oh, man, it's like he's three times as likely to lose than he is to win. And um, the only reason he can pull it off is because he has experience in PvP and he knows how to use cash items and trick Shaltir into using all her shit. So that way, you know, it's like resource management. Like she has a certain number of skills that can make it so I can't kill her. And that's how he plays her out, because she's not cautious. So I believe the Guardians then, at least Kokutis, Demiurge, and Albedo, learn that, yeah, you can't just think, oh, I'm so strong in physical abilities and skills that I can just steamroll you. It's like, yeah, you should be able to, but because you're so arrogant, you're not going to see how I can fucking destroy you without even, like, you know, breaking a sweat, because it was all part of my plan. Yeah. Well, I personally think that if Ainz left, then uh, they would all be at each other's throats because they're all, like, pretty strong-willed and stubborn. And they're all, like, most of them are equal-ish in strength. So I really don't see them being a cohesive unit without Ainz. I'm pretty sure they'd all go crazy. (laughs) They'd all go berserk. I really don't think so because they still respect hierarchy in the uh, in the guild in Nazareth. Yeah, but I think they all have a, like a different sense of what 
being loyal to Ainz would entail. Yeah, they'd all definitely do their own thing for the glory of Nazarick. And, you know, Demiurge would just continue to capture and torture humans and basically stealthily take over the world and put puppets everywhere, which is what he was doing. And versus Albedo, she was just like, go out and have a raid force, an elite raid force to just fuck up whoever says anything. And then you got Sebas, who was like, I'm trying to build relations and stuff with people. So yes, you're right. They, it would be very chaotic in a sense that they all have different types of uh, ambition. And they definitely think differently about how to serve Nazarick. Except, I would say that it may be like that, but in the end, they all want to serve Nazarick still. So... I don't think that any any conflicting um, ideologies or methodologies that happen, I believe they would be resolved very quickly because they, you know, they, they talk to each other when that shit happens. And then they try to reason, and the rest of the Guardians will talk about it together. Like, let's say... Uh, Girl, Demier- what? What? <laughs> What novel are you reading? These the guardians are always at each other's throats about what is what is the correct interpretation of Ainz's words. Yeah, except and but they don't act on it before they talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll at least talk to each other, yell at each other, just like his guildmates, because you know they all have the personalities of his guildmates, and then they'll vote on the best course of action. They wouldn't just be like, you know what, fuck this, I'm out. I'm gonna go do my own thing for the glory of Nazareth. Except Alberto, because she does that. Where she's like, fuck this. Yeah, remember? She wants the uh, elite squad to go kill the other supreme beings. Yeah, but she, th- she hasn't done it yet. No, but it's a plot point. It's something that Mariyama put in there for a reason. He's gone back to it, like, uh-huh. twice. Uh-huh. There's a lot of things that Mariyama has put in there that has not come to fruition. <laughs> yeah, like the um, half-elf, half-godkin girl. The uh, platinum dragon lord and regret who have a guild weapon. There's a lot of things I'm still waiting on. I think it'd be super interesting to see, um, like, uh, we saw in volume, I believe, 10, when he goes and meets the, the Frostlord dragons, and they're, like, super weak. He can kill them in one hit with Grass Pirate. But then there's the uh, Star Platinum Dragon Lord, who's, like, the highest-ranked dragon and super strong, and even he couldn't fight Shaltir um, in full world champion gear. But then again, he just attacked with his strongest attack, then Shoutier, uh stabbed him in the shoulder, and he just ran away. So we don't really know how strong he is. According to uh, someone, one of the maids or something, they, they say that the um, the half-elf, half-godkin girl is as strong as Shaltir. They're at least stronger than the maids. But Are we talking Are we talking about the girl from the Holy Kingdom? Yeah, no, not the Holy Kingdom, from uh, Slay and Theocracy. She's half, oh, it's the God. black and white girl. With the split eyes? I, I swear to God. In, like, the first few novels, I thought the Holy Kingdom and the Theocracy were the same thing. <laughs> they're both, like, religious. No, no, no. Holy Kingdom. I'm pretty sure he used, like, ambiguous terminology. He, he never, like, he never he never put slain in there. He was just, like, the Theocracy initially. And then he finally, like differentiated them and i'm like what's the difference between a holy kingdom and a theocracy because the slain theocracy was founded by the six gods right the six players Mm -hmm. that came there and then decided well we're only like level 50 or 70 we're not (laughs) first of all the six gods are hilariously weak because they're not strong (laughs) but they're stronger than the npcs which is why they review refer to them as gods so that's why i think it's interesting that um you know that these low-level players are reviewed as revered as gods but then 
they've never met someone as strong as Ions. That's why I'm just like, I don't know how they were supposed to, like, fight against them. Because according to um, the first, even the first, like, uh, is this the second? It might be the first volume. When he fights uh, the Sunlight Scripture, they summon a seventh-tier angel, right? The highest-ranking angel that they were able to capture into that magic crystal was seventh-tier. And Ainz is just like, what child's play? Because to even fight him, you need to have at least eighth-ranked or eighth tier uh, magic, and um, I, I don't remember that girl's name, half elf, half godkin girl, but she's apparently as strong as shout tier ungeared without world items, which is insane because she's I means she has base stats of a level hundred. I definitely want to see more of that, but uh, the holy kingdom is just they they're just super religious, um, like we have one the one gods, and all demi humans are trash. Versus the slain theocracy, they're like, only humans can live, and we have the scriptures, because we have God. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot of God. Well, they developed wow. differently, you know, the, the slain theocracy developed with the player characters, versus the uh, holy kingdom, they didn't develop with the player characters, they developed with the uh, ancient texts, like, they got strong on their own without player characters. That's why they got steamrolled. Well, because, <laughs> you know, strong in that world is relative, right? They have people who can cast third and fourth tier magic. They're like, oh, we're hello strong because literally no one else can do this except maybe Fluter in the Empire who can hit, apparently cast fifth tier magic. But then the Slain Theocracy is super secretive. No one knows anything about the Slain Theocracy other than they have the scriptures and they worship the six gods, which is a legend that everyone else views as it's just a legend but to the slain theocracy they're like no we literally have scriptures we have things from these player characters we know that they they were gods so that, that's like the difference between the slain theocracy and the holy kingdom one has proof one do doesn't you think do you think um the slain theocracy with the six gods is gonna be like a a time travel thing <laughs> where i was one of the six gods <laughs> definitely not and then he <laughs> went back in time well like the 13 heroes and the 6 god right 6 god freaking drake get out of here uh, it's it's referencing players that came there before him uh, that means that Ainz was teleported there as well as everyone else who was still logged into uh, Yggdrasil when it was shutting down right that's the premise but they all come in at different times so it's possible that in the future, more player characters might show up. Though, what I don't understand about Mariyama and Ainz and stuff, it's like, you know that the Slain Theocracy worships the six gods, and from the very first novel, you know that they um, use Yggdrasil weapons and spells. It's like, so why don't you just go steamroll their country and, like, learn about the six gods? I don't understand. Like, he doesn't pay it any thought after the first initial battle with the Sun, like, scripture of, like, Oh yeah, the Slain Theocracy has things from Yggdrasil. And that's it. They don't talk about it anymore after that. It's just like, yeah, the Slain Theocracy we should be careful of because they hate anything that's not human. And that's it. I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. Didn't you just, like, fight them and they had shit from Yggdrasil? And they have, like, heal like the Sealing Crystal, which sealed a 7th tier spell from Yggdrasil. Isn't that more of a fucking trigger to, like, you should go investigate this country? Than it is to like, oh, I need to establish myself as Momon the Adventurer and then become Mithra or Adamantite rank and 
do shit for this shitty kingdom, and then partner with the Empire. I don't understand any of the NPCs in Nazarick's thought of, like, we need to go and get the Empire or the kingdom to fall and take over that before they went over to the Slain Theocracy. It just seems like it'd be a lot more simple to go and steamroll the Slain Theocracy, show your might, learn your shit, learn about the Six Gods, and then come back and be like, hey, we just destroyed the Slain Theocracy, which scared all of you because you guys couldn't do anything to them because they're hella secretive. Like, even the Empire, uh, Jerkniv, however the fuck, the Emperor. Jerk Beef. Jerk Beef. Jerk Beefy. <laughs> El Nix Dono. Even uh, in Volume 10, again, uh, he when he goes to the arena, he's trying to talk to Silver Canary, the people from the um, Slain Theocracy. And he's trying to establish, like, oh, we should have um, an alliance. And then Ayn just shows up and then scares them all away due to convenient plot point. Super funny. That was, yeah, that was funny. That was uh, a big, uh, quite a coincidence. That's, I mean, they're all coincidences about how Ayn's, like, gains favor and all this stuff. Because everyone fears him. They don't know about him because they've never met a level 100. And in this world, in this human world, new world, the highest level people get up to is like, you know, 35 or 40 at most, if that. Like, Evil Eye is one of the yeah. strongest beings in the new world, and yet she doesn't hold a candle to a level 100 guardian. Yeah. That's a, another thing in uh, Overlord where it's all about coincidences and misunderstandings <laughs> with Ions. Yeah, there's a lot of ex machina <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but that's what makes it enjoyable to me because every- i mean it's not really ex machina it's just like everybody else being stupid <laughs> no it's definitely ex machina because mariyama was like oh what a coincidence also guess what look at this favorable thing that's about to happen ah coincidence or like it- <laughs> like it's not even it's not even a coincidence like they make it a coincidence by le- being like oh he has to be here because of this like they they stretch it out by by like they they flip the like situation on its head and like like why is he here what is he doing oh it must be this random reason and it's like no <laughs> like it's funny because like whatever he does it will be it will it can, it can be turned into a coincidence by like thinking hard about it enough which I found it's pretty it's pretty funny and interesting to uh, see everybody turn everything he does into something grand, even though it's not. <laughs> because like they fear him, they don't they their knowledge of Ions is that he is just some undead magic caster that can literally wipe out an entire city with a spell, and that's why they're like he must be super smart as well as super strong. It's impossible that he would be this strong, but also stupid. And I mean the the whole little do they know? <laughs> yeah, little do they know. He's actually really dumb. <laughs> he's not dumb. It's just he's he's not as smart as people think he is. He knows how to play Yggdrasil. That's and that's about it. <laughs> he doesn't. He leaves everything else to Alberto and Demiurge. So it's really funny that people even think he's smart at all because he doesn't really do anything. <laughs> he just sits there and everyone does things for him, and he coughs and they're like Asasuga Einsama. You're, you're, that's what I love about that's what I love about the uh, novel though that (laughs) that everyone else is like apparently super smart but also really dumb because they don't see that Ainz is actually not that smart (laughs) 
everything he does has a reason apparently yeah everything he does can be you can divide a meaning from it well so i have like go ahead go ahead go ahead oh i was just gonna say (laughs) part of the reason that um that happens is because it's like he does an action right but he has no reason to do it but the more actions he performs the more that he can link it together and people will believe it because they're like oh that makes sense and they won't like look for a deeper meaning no one really inspects him under a microscope except uh the emperor he did that but he couldn't fathom what was happening because of the coincidences right it was just to throw him off the trail because the only person in the world that actually watched him and try to figure out what he was planning was the emperor but little did the emperor know that it wasn't just Ayn's planning stuff it was literally demiurge doing everything and albedo doing everything so he was trying to read the wrong person i'm fairly certain if uh the emperor knew that demiurge and albedo were pl- the ones planning this stuff like for it to happen like the invasion using the empire and all that stuff the emperor would be able to battle them in a battle of wits but unlucky for him uh his last out of trying to create an alliance was shattered by Ainz, who was just like ah i just want to go see how strong this one person is and i just want to establish the uh the adventurer's thing and he was just doing his own thing but it worked coincidentally it worked yeah even though the emperor is uh super smart i think like um so Ainz called the emperor to nazarick and then as soon as the emperor got there he was like Okay, I'm done with you. You can leave. Um, and then the, even though the emperor is so smart, he's like, why the fuck did he call me here to just leave? He, he couldn't even fathom that Ainz was like, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know why I called you here. Well, originally... <laughs> it was everybody else's idea. It's because he's dealing with a commoner, right? And he doesn't know how a commoner thinks. He's a king. And when he comes to Nazarick and he learns about the sorcerer, or learns about uh, Ainz, the great magic caster Ainz, and he sees, like, look at all this treasure. Look at all this military strength. Like, I could never compete with someone who has a, a fortress like this. And that's why. And then when he has that bearing, a regal bearing, where it looks like he's a, a king, that's where Jerknev is like, oh, shit. This guy is actually, like, uh, a royalty just like me. So he tries to view him like such. And to his knowledge, someone who's, like, a, a noble or has royalty or whatever would never do something as stupid as calling him there for no reason because he's had to live his entire life ever since he was a child in the um political world right of nobles and stuff and he sees how dirty everything is everyone does something for their own gain versus Ainz, he literally does not he doesn't have to do anything for his gain he can just literally do stuff because he wants to so the emperor can't fathom that it makes sense especially since he was born to what the emperor was born to a a concubine I believe so he was originally never supposed to ascend to the throne but due to unforeseen circumstance where the next sons or whatever die and then he took his opportunity when he was uh, older to just take over and do the reforms the bloody reforms i think i don't i don't know i don't think it's that like the emperor is um can't understand how a commoner thinks and he's blinded by the royal political uh setting because like i mean he's his uh his rule was pretty anti-royal like i would say he's like a friend of the commoner yeah but he only understands it from the point of view of 
well, I know how these nobles think. I know how evil and greedy they are. Because everyone's set in their own ways. Like, when he saves... When, when Ayans first saves Carne Village, right? And they're like... They, they're like, there's no way someone would just show up and save us for no reason. Then he has to make up a reason. Oh, I came here to get... Though it's not free, you guys have to pay me. And then he traded information. The entire world, they have their biases. And Jerkdiv, he the emperor, he grew up in the nobles world where it was dirty that's why he can't fathom it like it's not that he's not smart enough to understand it it's that when he first went in he was thinking like that and he couldn't stop thinking like that because like everything else Ainz was doing was pointing towards like no this dude is trouble he's super strong and people who are who hold power are always greedy and they're always planning and plotting he couldn't understand, I mean, like, especially I think, if it was I like, think... so because the reason the emperor is there is because he's the one who told the noble, go into that unknown tomb, see if we can get anything. So, you know, he's, that's a transgression. And the fact that literally right after he find, finds out the workers were eliminated, Ainz's crew shows up like, hey, we know what you did. And then they kill a couple hundred people, show up or else we're going to fucking kill you. And that's why he shows up, you know, three days later. He barely had any time to prep. He didn't know anything about uh, Nazareth. He doesn't know anything about Ainz. He just knows that apparently this person's fortress is super strong. And they have ways to find information super fast. Little does he know that Ainz was uh, pulling the strings all along. <laughs> yeah, that was Demiurge's plan, though. <laughs> it's all Demiurge's plan. Ainz was just going along with it. Yeah. So that's why. Well, I was say gonna... again. So th- there it is. Because so the person who was pulling the strings was really Demiurge because it was his plan to, to get the workers to come into Nazareth and stuff, right? So again, the emperor is trying to view like, Ainz has the apparently the planning capabilities of Demiurge, but then when Ainz acts, he doesn't think at all, which is why it throws him off. He doesn't know what to do because it's like apparently I was outplayed by someone super smart. And he's standing in front of me, except it wasn't him. It was actually Demiurge. Oh, true. And also, I don't think, like, I don't think anyone be able to fathom what Ainz did at that moment because it was just so stupid. <laughs> just unbelievably stupid. I don't think anyone could fathom what, <laughs> what he was doing. So it's like the reason why he lets uh, Jerkniv go is because they come in with the offering, right? Or prior to that, prior to the offering. Uh, they come in, and everyone is shaking in their boots, right? Everyone is feeling... Uh, Ainz is releasing an, uh, a skill of aura, the halo thing, the black thing that is behind him. Scares everyone shitless. And there's, like, thousands of Nazarick old guarders, like, um, and uh, deaf knights and stuff. There's just a shit ton of army there to show off their military might. Because the original meeting was supposed to be, like, we're going to sh- scare him with how strong we are, so that way he'll eventually submit to us. Right? That was Demiurge's plan and everyone in Nazareth's plan. Ainz was like, sure, that sounds fine. We'll just show our military strength so he doesn't try to do anything funny for now. But the problem was that Demiurge you know, was like, oh, prostrate yourself. And then everyone prostrates and then uh, Ainz is like, ah, shit. My subordinate did something without me saying anything. This is super rude because he wanted to invite the emperor there to learn more about how to be an emperor, about how to be a king, to look good for the rest of his subjects and that was Ainz's original goal but it's different from Demiurge's and everyone else in Nazareth's goal which is why after Demiurge does the transgression and everyone bows down except the emperor 
Eins is like, ah, fuck. I don't want this to become an international, like, thing. Like, oh, the Sorcerer King is just a fucking idiot. Doesn't know how to control his people. He's fucking stupid. Everyone kill him. He didn't want that. That was the worst outcome. Even though, again, we know that Nazareth could basically destroy the entire world by themselves with no help from the outside. But Eins doesn't know that. And he's super scared, again, because, you know, the shit that happened to Shouts here. He doesn't... The fact that world items are in there, that means there has to be other world items. You know, of the, what, 200 world items. That's all I got. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't know. I don't know why they called Jerk Neve there. Like, I don't know what Demiurge wanted. He wanted to show their power, but they already showed their power with, like, crashing in to their palace and killing off their royal guard. I feel like uh, they definitely wanted to do something. Um, but when Eins was like, you know what, you can leave, that just sounds like, I'm going to declare a war on you so you can go. <laughs> but that's not what he intended. But that's what like a normal person would assume. Yeah, and, and that's, so... because, <laughs> that's because Momonga, the human guy, he doesn't know how to be a king. He doesn't know how his actions reflect on others like that. He thought that he had to cover up Demiurge's mistake. And that's all he was thinking about. Versus the emperor who was like, oh I my think... god, this guy is super strong. And, well, I mean, it ends up being something else. Because he's continually thinking like, alright, so there's no way a, a normal king whose land has been um, trans- trespassed on and tried to rob you would let this go, right? Like, there's no way yeah. any noble would do that. That's why he's thinking the entire time, like, why would he let us go when we've sullied his home? And that's why uh, the emperor is just keep he keeps thinking about it. And the fact that when Ainz is like, all right, you can go now. It's like, oh, you have nothing of value to oh, me. Gonna... I'm just going to destroy your world. Yeah. <laughs> because he's thinking of it from a, a point of view of like, you're a man in power and someone has dirtied your house. What do you do? Well, I certainly would if I hold, held power like he does. Because, you know, the emperor believes he's the strongest emperor in the entire world like no one else matches him in wits except uh renner and someone there's one more girl that matches him in wits i forgot who he he said he says this in the novel but those are the only people that um to him would be a challenge everyone else is nothing so that's why he was like for someone to have this type of information at work and for have this type of uh, control and power he must be smarter than as smart as me or smarter so (laughs) he's just like you're right. If he if if the emperor realized that Eins was just a fucking idiot, none of this would have went as planned. It would have been even easier to manipulate Eins, at all. He actually would have been yeah. able to manipulate Eins, except I don't actually think the uh, guardians would allow that to happen. If they thought he was doing no. something bad, probably not. But maybe they would. The guardians would think that. Eins is letting him be, oh, be manipulated yeah. for some grand <laughs> <Yeah>. scheme. <laughs> but yeah, I brought, I initially brought this scene up because like, it's just an instance of like complete stupidity that, that threw off uh, Jerkney's entire like uh, analysis of Eins and then um, coupled with the complete coincidence that Ainz showed up in the arena right when he was having his secret meeting like those two completely unfathomable events combined to destroy Jerkney's uh 
a, to- a will to resist. So it's like you you can't even fight. It was, it's like it's beyond his control. He just <laughs> it, it was, was just something he couldn't he couldn't comprehend. It was just bad timing. There was nothing to comprehend there. <laughs> it was just bad timing for Jerk Me, honestly. <laughs> like yeah. Ah. Uh. It, that, that's what I loved about that chapter, though, or that's about like Volume the, Ten. It was just ooh, yeah, what I love a that coincidence. Too. <laughs> yeah, and that that happens a lot. Uh, but I think that was one of the better misunderstandings of the novel. Um, but um, that's definitely a running thing, and it's really funny to see. Um, so I think, like everyone else, beyond Nazarek is kind of like expendable. I don't know. I don't know if you have, you want to talk about anyone else. Not really. I mean anyone else is interesting. I I like Overlord for the main cast. Like I love that they do world building, but yeah, even though like but like the they focus so much on the like side characters like so much. Yeah, like Carne <laughs> Village with uh, Infidia and uh oh my god. Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Kill me now. But it's just I love the world building and I love how just like Eins is just this steamroller that's just waiting in the background <laughs> as we're setting everything up. You see Bone Daddy just like, oh man, I can't wait to just steamroll everything. <laughs> that's what it. Yeah, it's like we're gonna build up this uh, story of these random lizard uh, folk village people <laughs> for for like I don't know like a whole volume and then Eins is just gonna come in for the last chapter and like completely obliterate everyone <laughs> yeah and that's the thing that's what mariyama does he sets everything up just to get steamrolled at the end by eins for some miraculous Basically. reason <laughs> well uh I, I mean to me i don't really care about anyone else outside of nazarick like i guess uh brain and Ga- gazef i kind of liked how they R. had R. yeah r.i.p <laughs> gazef man oh my god but it's funny because they kind of have like a gay vibe going on, like a little like what? a little res- too much respect on Brain's behalf. What are you? Oh my god, I am the Fudanji, and I don't even see it. Nah. It's like that is total bro. Come on, man, that's a bro. It's not. I don't gay. know. They're a little too. I mean, that's not gay. <laughs> it's not. There were two straight men that just you know it was just a joke, bro. That want a fuck. <laughs> I. I just thought oh it would be God. interesting for... Because um, Mariyama did say that he was going to originally put that in there. Put what? That Brain likes Gazef. Like, that was going to be a thing. What? Yeah! What? Yeah, Mariyama... Where did you hear this? He tweeted that he was going to put a love interest for Brain. That was it. Uh-huh. He was originally planning to do that. It was not going to be Gazef. Ah, no, it was totally going to be Gazef. No. no, it totally would have been Gazef. Fuck off. Oh, man. No, it's going to be Climb. He's going to get that booty hole. No. <laughs> anyway, that Mariyama did say that. He was like, yeah, originally I was going to put a, a storyline for Brain, but then he's like, nah. So he didn't do it. I see. I just speculate that it would have been Gazef. Well, I think, like, I think the most interesting character out of Nazareth is probably Renner. I know you don't like Renner. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> um... I'd like to see more of her because she looks like she's just like the sociopathic manipulative bitch that just like I don't care if I kill the entire kingdom as long as I get to fuck my bitch, aka climb. 
Um, yeah, she gives off a... Which um, sounds like an interesting personality. Um, interesting. She sounds like she could do some interesting monologues. I'd like to see some Renner monologues. I mean, her monologues just include a, that bitch maid, I'm gonna totally fucking kill her and shit. And then she just smiles at her. And I'm just like, oh, okay, Renner, you're crazy. She gives off a... Um, yeah. What's that? Is it Misery? Like, is that is that the fucking Stephen King book and movie? What? I think it's called Misery. It's a book where sure. the um the main character guy is an, an author or novelist and then uh he meets a fan and she's fucking super crazy and she like he he's in a car crash and then she saves him and nurses him back to health and then he tries to leave oh. and then she fucking breaks his legs so that way she can heal him again while he writes his the next novel. She gives off misery vibes. Yeah. Misery vibes like nice, as fuck. Nice. But also like she's really smart, so it sounds like she could be, uh, so she could do some interesting narration there. So I'd like to see more of Renner. She has a very hard to pronounce name, but um, yeah, we have gone like a bajillion minutes on characters. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess we can go through through a bit more really quickly. So just like with the plot of Overlord in general, I thought that um. Like the basic premise of the of the story being told from the stereotypical villain's point of view was like a little refreshing and interesting and um, good a good source of comedy as well. Um, also, you know, I'm always like, who doesn't like the villain anyway? So the villain should just be the MC because I mean. That's what everyone wants. <laughs> That's what everyone thinks. But I, I honestly don't think it's from a, not a, a chaotic evil point of view. But I definitely say Nazarick's more of a chaotic neutral point of view, like or at least a chaotic neutral ideology, and it's just chaotic because he's super strong and can just you know snap a finger and kill everyone like Thanos. Well, I wouldn't say Eins is evil, but. He is the leader of evil people. Well, I mean, Ainz so, is, is evil. He's negative a thousand justice. Like, he feels no empathy for anyone. But, like... Except Nazarick. But he doesn't, like, feel the need to... Well, I guess... I guess you're right. Like... I guess he is evil. Yeah, he, he's evil in the sense that if you touch Nazarick, you touch he his property... No empathy. Yeah. He will go and destroy your entire village and, you know make sure everyone dies but as long as you don't do anything to him he won't go and destroy you that's why i say he's more of chaotic neutral okay it's evil to everyone yeah. else's eyes because they're like you're so strong and you murder us so quickly like <laughs> <laughs> that it's just efficiency <laughs> okay <laughs> they're just afraid of him because he's strong right but that wouldn't necessarily yeah. make him evil because you know when he's momon when he's the adventurer momon everyone loves him right so it shows that be- just because he's strong, it depends on his intent. But because people are, don't understand Ainz's intent when he comes out as the sor- Sorcerer King, and he's an undead, and they have their um, biases towards the undead, they just think he's evil. Even though, rea- in reality, what he's trying to do is, like, you know, in uh, Volume 13, when Pope Nea finally realizes, like, Ainz is justice, because Ainz is super strong, so he is justice. But in uh, Volume 11 and 12, and then finally 13... When the Sorcerer King's running around the entire kingdom, and or the Holy Kingdom, trying to help out, he's trying to show people, like, they are just 
you need to understand that there's sometimes two evils and you got to pick the lesser one. Like when the kid, there's the kid that gets uh, held as a hostage. And then the people in the Holy Kingdom are like, oh, you fiend, stupid ass demi-humans. Like, whoa, we need to save him. He's a capture. He's like, no, you idiot. Like, you can't. If you, you let him use them as a shield, then they will kill them and they'll just keep getting more shields. But then humans are like, oh, no, we can't do that. And then Ainz is like, nah. And then you know what happens? They kill the kid. They kill that guy's kid in front of him. And then, you know, the uh, you got to show these demi-humans are out for blood. They don't care about the hostages. The hostages are only worth uh, to them are, are any worth to them if they are worth to you, the people coming to save them. Even though Ainz could have actually saved everyone without the humans dying, he wanted to teach them a lesson about strength and about, like, understanding that if someone is stronger than you, you have to be able to fight them. And that as long oh as you believe in Ainz, the strongest being in the world, <laughs> you can reach salvation. And that's kind of his whole pitch, right? You guys aren't strong. No, what is? No, because he says, he's like, you guys aren't strong, but I am. So if you let me take care of everything, you'll be happy. That's what he does when he's in the Holy Kingdom. And that's what he, uh, Nea does when she realizes, like, he's right. I'm not strong, but he, Ainz is strong. The Sorcerer King, his majesty is strong enough to save all of us. If we just listen to him, we will all be saved and we will live in peace. And that's what he's trying to, um, like promote about the sorcerer kingdom that as long as you listen to me unfathomable riches will come to you and that's what happens with the um the lizard men in the village that's what happens at the carne village and that's what happens to the uh, erantil as long as they listen to Ainz and follow his rule they will all be saved so like what is the what is the meaning of evil is it like good intentions uh, or a lack of good intentions, or is it a lack of uh, good actions? Because, you know, you could say that Ainz is evil because he has uh, he feels nothing from killing humans, but then again, he he. I get well. A lot of his actions end up saving humans, sometimes. <laughs> except when he kills. Sometimes, like... <laughs> sometimes, except when he kills an entire army. You know, sometimes his actions save people. So. What is what is being evil and good? So I, who knows? I, I would say it's his intent. You know, um, Einz's intent. The reason I say chaotic neutral instead of like you know lawful neutral or something. Well, like or true neutral. Okay. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh, is because he will. Even though the only people he cares about is Nazarick. If he had to abandon mm-hmm. Carney Village, if he had to abandon Erantil, the Sorcerer Kingdom, or if he had to abandon anyone, he would. If there was a threat. Of, like, let's say another player character comes in and they're like, oh, we're going to go destroy uh, Erantel because we want to fight you. But he doesn't have enough information to fight these people. He would definitely let the Sorcerer Kingdom Erantel get destroyed as long as Nazareth is safe. So are you saying that he has bad intentions? I'm saying his intentions are always to just keep this. It's neutral intentions. What? I'm saying he's chaotic. (laughs) You are such a horrible judge of personality. (laughs) I don't care what you ah! think. I'm just saying that's what I feel oh like that he's God. chaotic neutral. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Listen, he's an evil person. No, he's chaotic neutral. He's, a, he's not chaotic no. evil. <laughs> no. Anyways. Um, we will agree to disagree. He is a cold-blooded killer. Yes. And he's, yes. I mean, okay. technically he's undead, so he has no blood. 
but go on. No, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, another um, big part of Overlord, which we haven't talked about yet, is that most of the fights are one-sided, and that's like a big gimmick of the franchise, is that it's all about um, the Nazarek team just one-sidedly overpowering whoever is fighting them except for the Shaltier versus Ainz fight that was like pretty even but everything else they like they build up all of the um of the tension and then it's just completely it's just a completely one-sided massacre or a completely one-sided um trampling so I mean I think that's like I know you are into the OPMC that just overpowers everyone sort of Hell trope. Hell yeah, I love that shit. <laughs> I guess that's a lot. That's uh, common in light novels. Uh, it's pretty common in a lot of isekai, yes, where uh, your main character is transported to a new world and has some cheat ability or retain their memories of the past, which makes them super smart or super strong. It's just a thing. I, see. I mean, what well, would make it an isekai? I think Overlord does it. Do you, th- you think Overlord kind of uh, goes overboard? <laughs> or is it just another one of the tropes? No, I think Overlord definitely uh, is not as overboard as a bunch of other isekai, actually. Because, so, it's it's been clearly stated that levels are basically what matter here. Because Entima does get destroyed by Evil Eye and Tia and Gagaron. Except... When they go against someone mm-hmm. who's level 100, like Demiurge, they get fucking wrecked. So if it was someone else, it, it all depends on their levels. Like if the NPC, if the uh, people of the New World weren't so weak, they wouldn't be getting steamrolled. But the fact of the matter is that they are that weak. And there is only a select few people who actually have like levels above 40. It's hard. And they don't even know about the existence of levels. That there's a level cap at that 100. like... <laughs> That sounds like the name of a light novel as well. <laughs> they didn't even know the existence of levels <laughs> until Momonga. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh Yeah, you're right. Some of the battles are pretty even. But just like, I feel like all the hyped up battles are the ones that are one-sided. Because like, honestly, I didn't care about the Entoma battle. <laughs> uh, all the battles I cared about were one-sided. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. um, Well... To me, who is not that uh, experienced in the uh, isekai genre, I think uh, it was refreshing. From well, refresh. It was different. <laughs> I wouldn't call it refreshing. It was different because, <laughs> like, sometimes it's kind of I feel cucked. I'm like, <laughs> what is? Why did you build this all up for him just to like? This is kind of boring. To just you know, grass part dead. <laughs> yeah, it's like. It's different. It's interesting. I'm sure I'll eventually get tired of it, but it's something. There's, there's something there. Um, so I have a question. Do you think that uh, the details of how exactly Momonga entered the new world will ever be revealed? Because, like, I mean, theoretically, he was on a quest to figure this out in a... um in a roundabout way by finding anyone else who came into the world. Um, but I don't know if that plot line is ever going to get uh, picked up again because we've moved on from finding other people to world domination, which I'm like... I mean, that's a whole other issue because, like, 
when you when Mariyama switched the motivation to world domination, even though he didn't actually want it, he's just going with the flow. That kind of just throws out the old motivation of uh, finding other people because now we're just going to dominate everyone. Well, so like, what was the point of the first motivation in the first place? So the thing is, even um, when he was still Momonga, he didn't care about how he came to that world. He was like, I have nothing back home anyway, so. I guess I should find a way to go back home, but I don't really care about going back home. He states that very I clearly. I mean, like, and finding finding the reason why he came here doesn't necessarily have to be um, correlated with going back home. Because if you know why you came here, then you can better protect yourself from enemies in here. Which is why so. he goes with the world domination plot. Because once he, once it's finally revealed to him after, like, what, nine volumes or some shit... And he's like, what? We're doing world domination? <laughs> to not look like an idiot in front of his subordinates. He's like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, we're doing world domination. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, I guess it should be fine. Because if we dominate the world and create our own kingdom and shit, then people will always know the name Einzulgon. I guess so. It, it just is like, well, it kind of completes my first objective, which is spreading my name and seeing if there's any other players around. Which, again, fucks with me, because I'm like, wait, but in the very first fucking two volumes, you know that the Slain Theocracy has information. You know that the Six Gods were obviously players. That's why they have all this shit from Yggdrasil. So, your main objective, why aren't you going to attack the Slain Theocracy to fucking find out more about the Six Gods? I don't understand you. But didn't he originally not want to, like make him the public enemy number one because then the any players that exist would want to kill him yeah which is why he keeps trying to find more players by like you know oh i'm gonna go cast this thing and look around you see anyone no all right time to steamroll but like wouldn't world domination be making you public enemy number one no not necessarily because he's spreading you know he's saving like when in, in volume 11 he saves those orc people right is that volume 11? That's volume 11 or 12. I forget. Um, but, you know, when he goes to that one uh, demi-human town and he finds them experimenting on orcs, he was like, yo, this is super fucked up. And he saves them. He's like, yeah, you guys can live in my country. Don't worry. I'm building a country that everyone can live in. Because he's trying to rebuild Nazareth, but as a country. Like, that becomes his new goal. After, it's not really world domination, but spreading his name. That here in the Sorcerer Kingdom... We all can live together. Yeah, I think he's trying to um, dominate people um, through an outside force that he's disguising as not himself and then coming himself to save them and then becoming their new overlord. See, that's, that's overlord. Demiurge's plan, though. That's not that's not Ainz's plan. Well, like, oh my god, girl. <laughs> Does Ainz have any plans? No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he just piggybacks on everyone else. So Yeah. Was that Demiurge's plan though? I feel like Demiurge, Demiurge's plan must have been a bit more cruel. No, so like uh, the original plan to make the empire a vassal state was that after about a month or so, they would start skirmishing with uh, the kingdom and saying like, "Oh, you guys need to give us this or that, and you need to surrender." And then they wouldn't because they would be working with Renner, and then they would just steamroll the entire kingdom in one night, and then the oh, empire my. and the it was either they would either kill the holy kingdom i believe or the kingdom i think it was the holy kingdom that they were gonna actually kill i don't remember um 
I don't remember very specifically. They were going to kill one of the other states to create, uh, to make the empire a vassal state. So it was all uh, part of Demiurge's plan of like, we're just going to crush people as an example and make everyone, um, and then just subjugate everyone else who doesn't agree. Wait, so that that is completely not the plan that they went with. No, because that's why Ayn's, you know, because Ayn's got the vassal state in three days instead of a month. <laughs> Demiurge's original plan was like, yeah, we're going to like slowly get this done. And then crush one of the um, other kingdoms to show our force. Then everyone else won't fuck with us anymore. And then they would slowly oh, I move th- into the rest of the kingdoms and stuff. I was saying like the way that they conquered the Holy Kingdom in that they created a threat that couldn't be identified as Nazarek, and then they saved it as Nazarek. I think that's the formula they're gonna that they want to use. Well, it's the formula for that Demiurge else. is using, yes. And yeah, Ainz has no idea what Demiurge is doing. Like, he's just like, well, you're you're obviously doing this for the benefit of Nazareth, and I don't care if you slaughter humans or demi-humans, as long as losses of Nazareth are minimized. That's that's all he cares about, right? Because, again, Ainz is chaotic neutral. He doesn't care if people die. He's, he's, uh, he's not lawful. He doesn't care. I think, no, but, like, Demiurge with the skin, the skinning of the humans to make the magic scrolls. The Albanian, he doesn't tell Ainz. Albanian sheep. <laughs> he doesn't tell Ainz that because you know Ainz would not approve. Because I think Ainz wants to refrain from killing innocent humans if possible. Yeah, and and I he, think he, he like, makes that very right? clear. He's like only criminals and stuff are to be killed and tortured. Anyone who's deemed innocent, just kill them instantly. What? No. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. I'm pretty sure, like, he doesn't care. Some... He doesn't want people to be saved. If he if he doesn't have to save them, he won't, right? So, he promised them. He says that you can kill innocent people as long as you do it like mercy, like like let's say it was um, I don't know, a group of fucking bandits showed up at, at Nazareth, right? And they had the like uh oh fuck that's uh, what was it? the elf slaves. So the elf slaves that that one shitty ass human brought into the um, into Nazareth, they were spared from Ainz's wrath because they had nothing to do with this. Like they were slaves, right? And they were given the choice of whether they want to live in Nazareth and work for Ainz, or they could be killed, or set or sent back because it was like, well, I mean, it's not your fault that you're here. You're slaves, and they obviously detested humans anyway, so it was it was fine. As long as you don't mm. raise your hand against Nazareth, you should be fine. And the Holy Kingdom was the ones denouncing uh, the Sorcerer Kingdom. They're like, yeah, no, led by an undead piece of shit that goes against God's will. Which is kind of like, well, that's why you're a target now. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's what happened. Well, sure. So, um, going on with what I previously said, like, if we ever get to the point where we figure out um, how exactly what exactly happened um to make momonga come into this new world i feel like whatever explanation mariyama gives it's gonna be bad so i don't know if i actually want to hear that i mean i don't want to hear it because honestly it's always bad like every isekai but the thing every, is, is every that, isekai's yeah. method of like transportation was hit by truck kun or some tragic death reincarnated <laughs> as something right that's like that's the trope you were reincarnated but uh for d for for Overlord, he wasn't 
uh, reincarnated. He was just transported to another world, which is still another trope. There's plenty of them where it's like you didn't die. Magic summoning circle, world's in danger, need to save. It's it's a lot of that. And honestly, it's just going to be a cop-out because it, and they usually do this in the beginning, which is why it's fine for Isekai because everyone knows, like, well, how else do you go into a new world? Either you die or you get summoned, right? <laughs> or you, you trip you sure. trip and fall into a pond and then it transports you to oh my gosh <laughs> you fall into a toilet no i'm pretty sure that's an isekai with probably that. i don't know god drops a plant um, on your head what yeah there's an isekai like that god drops a potted oh plant and kills a human he's like my bad <laughs> oh that's just that's just you're running out of ideas at that point yeah oh um, um but the thing is that like one of the main plot points is that they're trying to figure out, you know, who came here and how did they come here. So I feel like we're going to eventually have to get to that point. And I'm like, I don't want to get to that point. So I hope something changes in that in that um, in that motivation or in that plot point, because the end game is not looking too great. I mean, we got seven um, more volumes to go, so we'll see. Wait, oh, so it's 20 volumes? Yeah, Mariyama said it's going to be 20. He has ideas for up to, like, 60, but he's only going to do 20 volumes. 60? Yeah, that's what he said. Girl, get your fucking shit straight. Stop giving me these side <laughs> stories. Get to the main plot. <laughs> oh, God. Um, But, yeah, so what do you think the end game of Overlord is going to be? Because, like, I can see it just being... Uh, same old same old where you know misunderstandings one-sided battles you know being overly cautious for nothing and then just uh oh big surprise you were worried about nothing let's kill everyone just over and over again or do you think that someone is actually gonna show up that is stronger than Momonga and then he's gonna kill him so i feel like um it's still gonna be him steamrolling everyone else that aren't i guess they wouldn't be ready so there are a few people that could challenge momonga one of them would be like the the platinum the star platinum dragon lord he has the strength to to fight someone like shaltir who is heavily armed right which one is the which one is the platinum dragon lord uh the one that talks to the old lady about the guild weapon it's it's one of the intermissions so there and wait who who do we know who the platinum lord is aligned with He's apparently one of the 13 heroes. Is he aligned with the slain theocracy? He's not aligned with anyone. He's just he's his own okay. party. And then okay. they have the uh, godkin adventurer, Rigret, who is, you know, has godkin powers. And the only one... So, like, those two, for example, they, they know about the existence of guild weapons. They know about... Um, well, they've the Star Platinum Dragonlord has lived forever, so he knows about, like, a bunch of other people that reincarnated. And the fact that he's still alive says a lot of things about, like, all right, so there's this dude who's been around since the low-level players have been here. So maybe he is strong. Maybe not. Maybe. We don't know. It's a lot of speculation. I mean, his, the other members of his species are not. Well, that's because they were only Frost Lords. They weren't Star Platinum. I know. Oh, my God. Star, Star Platinum. Platinum. That should be, like, a, a T-shirt. You weren't Star Platinum. <laughs> so you died i definitely think that mariyama is going to put in characters that uh actually can challenge giants honestly i don't think anybody that's been introduced yet could possibly challenge Ions. but i feel like the way that overlord is written 
in that Ainz is always careful about, um, you know, people who are going to uh, kill him. And then, so he's like, there's like clearly foreshadowing that someone's going to come and kill him because he's always worried about someone trying to kill him. And we see that he does trip up a lot. Um, he does make mistakes, even though he's really cautious. And I feel like one of these mistakes is going to come bite him back. I feel like there's a lot of foreshadowing for that, but I don't know if Mariyama has the balls to do that. I definitely so, don't think don't that Momongo will ever die. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's like the natural ending. I feel like that's where this should be going. It, no, he can't die. He's undead. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> Purify. <laughs> Purification. <laughs> So the thing is, like, um, because he's an undead, he doesn't age and stuff. The rest of the players and stuff, like the 13 heroes and the uh, six gods, they were all human characters, so they aged. But because he's an undead, I don't think he's going to age. And if someone comes and attacks him, right, like kills him, I think it would just be like a play. And he's just going to return back to Nazareth, back into the like, uh, underground, and just live there and silently control everything from the shadows. Oh my gosh! So what would what would your dream ending be? My dream ending? He just destroys the entire world. Come on, you stop! <laughs> He's not gonna do that. <laughs> That's what I want, though. I want him I, to subjugate the entire. Oh my world. god! Wait, why? Oh wait, no, subjugate. That's different from destroy. Or destroy the current old world or new world. Uh-huh. Destroy all their uh-huh. conceptions about slaves. Proverbially and... or like literally? Proverbially, of course. <laughs> okay, glad you clarified that. Um. I mean, that's not bad. I feel like him dying would be more interesting, honestly. <laughs> no. Bone Daddy I want can't someone die. To come, I want no, no. I want someone to come fuck up all of Nazareth. No. I want someone to go kill every single person no. there. <laughs> that's terrible. Because <laughs> I think... Oh, my God. I like them all, but I think it would be a, fun, a, a very interesting fight. I don't think Mariyama would it. ever do that. Yes, Mariyama, do it. <laughs> yeah pull the trigger okay so we've been uh talking about this for a very 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 long time yeah i know much longer than i thought <laughs> we were going to um really with me so, on the podcast about anything... overlord that's the one thing i never shut up oh, about please you you started this podcast with like oh i'm so tired please let me go because i sleep. just woke up so like <laughs> yeah so why don't you go to sleep? no <laughs> So, uh, any last thoughts on Overlord, John? Um, season three fucking blue. Still love the light novels. I hope season four is good. That's about it. I don't think a season four will be any better. But you can hope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can hope. <laughs> well, I think that's it. So, thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we sure enjoyed bringing it to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Discord server, become a member of our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our website. And if you have any questions, comments, or criticisms of this or any episode, feel free to shoot us an email. Links to all these things are down below in the description. I've been your host, Sho, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, John. I mean, good morning, because it's morning, but good afternoon to you. Hey, listen, it's night in Japan. We go by the (laughs) Japan time because we're weebs.